0: Hey friends, Rich here from Unseminary. You know, late last year, I was talking to a a church leader who's leading in a church where they're down to less than a dozen people attending. And you know, one of the things that was super sad was they were reflecting on the fact that they have no next generation leaders at all. No kids, no young leaders. We don't want that to happen for your church. And although you're not maybe at that extreme end of the scale, you no doubt are having a problem developing Gen Z leaders, and that's why I want you to reach out to my friends at Leadership Pathway. Listen, there are there has got to be a better way to find, develop, and support next generation church leaders for your team. We've been talking about this for years. i been talking about it since I graduated from college, and we still haven't fa- we still haven't figured that out. But our friends at Leadership Pathway have. You don't have enough time in day-to-day ministry to chase the leads, figure out the resume, onboard all those people. That's where my friends at Leadership Pathway come in. They want to build a robust residency program for you. They've interviewed, talked with literally thousands of Gen Z leaders, and they want they've helped them take the next step in ministry and they want to help you develop a pipeline to do the same thing. What I want you to do is to go over to leadershippathway.org forward slash unseminary to learn more. They've got some special events coming up this spring. We're we're really, they're packaging all this up into a couple day mastermind retreat kind of environments. You're going to want to learn more about that and you're going to want to connect with them really to say, Hey friends, I need you to help me find, develop, and release next-gen leaders through a residency program today. Leadershippathway.org forward slash unseminary
1: today. Thanks friends. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey friends,
0: welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. I'm super honored to have Brian Dodd with us again on the podcast. We were saying this has got to be maybe the fourth or maybe even fifth time. I just love Brian. He's got a huge heart for serving church leaders. And he there's a very few small group of people who, uh, who I say, listen, anytime you want to come on, you come on. And Brian is one of those. Uh, he's the Director of New Ministry Relationships at Enjoy Stewardship Solutions. He's been blogging since blogging was cool. Uh, it's called Brian Dodd on leadership. I feel like, you know, there's not a lot of us still doing that, but he's still doing it, which is amazing. Uh, and he's author of mo- many books, including his most recent book, Mighty, Seven Skills You Need to Move from Pandemic to Progress. Brian, welcome to the show. So glad you're here.
2: Hey, Rich. It, it is an honor to be back again. I love hanging out with you, love investing in your audience love your heart as well. And you were blogging when blogging what, you know, was cool also. So <laughs> yes. you, you and I have persevered and are, are still trying to get our voice out there and serve leaders through that medium. So
0: yeah, I love it. And you're, you know, I love your I still every week, um, you know, I'll love where uh, every week you, you know, you do this post, that's like the top 10 things that you've read that week uh, on Twitter, and I'll still like, check that out and look through and you're a good Curation source of like, hey, where, you know, what, you know, we think good, the good ideas. So I'm glad you're here uh, again. So you, you interact, well, fill out the picture. What did I miss about Brian Dodd? What, you know, what, do you, how else, who else are you? What do you want people to know? Tell us about enjoy, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, as far as me, yeah, I mean, you're right. You, you hit them. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. my daytime job is I serve pastors and church leaders through enjoy stewardship, helping with leadership development and developing cultures of generosity. Uh, evening for fun, and it's actually turned into something more than fun. I run the website Mm brian.onleadership.com, and coming out of that's come a podcast, four books, you know, just a number of of resources there to help pastors and church leaders. But being a husband of 32 years, and you know, my wife just retired from being on staff uh, where we attend church, and my daughter, is 24 and she's on mm-hmm. staff at a, as a worship leader at a church thrilled for her. And, uh, she, come November 12th is the expected date. She's going to make me a grandfather. So oh,
0: my goodness, Brian, how is such a young man like you, a grandfather? I don't know how that's possible.
2: I, I'll tell you, it's Abraham <laughs> in reverse. It's, you know, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so, uh, you know, so it's a, it's a great season for the Dodd family and and we're just thrilled about everything God's doing in our lives.
0: So. That's fantastic. That's, that's so great. I know my, uh, my wife, we have young adult children who are not in the, like thinking about kids mode, but my wife is definitely, she would like to be a grandma. So she's like ready for that. And I'm like, you gotta cut, just keep that language down a little bit. You know, you gotta, we got a few more stages to go here before we get to that, but that's so cool. That's great. Well, you have a you know, you have a unique vantage point, um, and I appreciate you coming on to the podcast to try to take advantage of that vantage point. You interact in your day job with church leaders all the time all across the country and you unique slice, you know, folks that are growing and looking to do new things and all that. And I wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit around what you're seeing in this. I really do think it's post-pandemic. You know, I was uh, last weekend, I saw, I was at the movie theater in our town and there was this like hole, these holes, random holes on the wall. And I was like, what what are those holes there? And I was like, oh, that's where there used to be one of those like hand sanitizing stations. They Mm. obviously have taken it down and not patched the holes. And I was like, hey, That means we're post-pandemic, not hand sanitizer as much everywhere. But what what are you seeing kind of, you know, from your vantage point when you think about the church in this kind of current
2: phase? You know, Rich, listen to your story. You know, Barna and Gallup, they spend all this money, you know, trying to figure (laughs) things out. And if they would just go to a movie theater and look for hand sanitizer, they would have already (laughs) had all their answers. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I think I because all I do is deal with growing churches, you know, churches mm-hmm. that need to raise money for expansion or major renovations mm-hmm. or pay off debt to do more money or new campuses. So I have a, I have a very unique vantage point. And uh, here's what I'm seeing. And I've actually talked to pastors at conferences to see if they're seeing the same thing. And it's, it's been validated. Mm-hmm. Uh, churches today who understand that, It really is all about Jesus, the Bible, his word, how Mm -hmm. he can change your life. And here's the steps to do that through discipleship. Mm -hmm. Those churches are flourishing. And here's why. Um, COVID stripped away all Mm non-essentials. You know, people, people lost a lot during COVID. You know, they lost hope which may have been the worst, you know, they lost family members, they lost careers, they lost money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they lost trust in just mm-hmm. life in general. Some of them lost faith in God through that whole mm-hmm. process. So they are, they are looking for what's real. Right. And they recognize if I can use phrases like this flash and dash or glitz or anything mm-hmm. like that,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, you know, a hazer's not going to reach people for Jesus. You sure. Know? Sure. And I, I talk to pastors all the time. I say, does the attractional model still work? Well, in my opinion, yes and no. Mm. No, the opulence, the over the top mm-hmm. things, the wow factor, uh, the those type of things, people don't need that anymore. They they need I'm, what's real. They mm-hmm. still re- They still want excellence. Mm-hmm. But if you give them, it's it's strange. Rich. It's almost a 1980s messaging. Mm. If you give them a 1980s messaging with a 2000s level of excellence, those churches are thriving. And those are the churches that I see God blessing tremendously. And what does that mean for pastors and church leaders? I say this, if you focus more on your personal holiness than you do your personal preferences, Mm. and you realize that as a pastor, I am not a communicator. Mm -hmm. I am a preacher. I've been given Mm -hmm. a message by the ancient of days to deliver to a group of people at this point in time in human history, a specific group with a specific message at a specific time that can change their life forever. People are dramatically attracted to those type of leaders and those type of churches.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, and some of this, I think we were seeing movements of this before, COVID for sure. And I think COVID in some ways has accelerated or intensified. I do think that idea that, you know, there was so much stripped back during that time frame um, that, you know, the kind of flash and dash or the, you know, like the flash in the pan kind of thing, I think faded away is not, you know, not around anymore. I know there was a study done by our friends at Gallup before the pandemic. So this was 2018 or 2019 where they asked people who attended religious services, it was not a particularly Christian study, but they were saying, why do you attend? And to me, I found lots of hope in it. Actually, they were said three quarters of the reason why people attend was because of the message because of what was what was being taught at those, and then they asked those people, "What is it that you're looking for in those messages?" And the two things that came out, um, and almost neck for neck, one is it needs to be based on scripture, and the second is it needs to be applicable to my life on Monday, like it needs to have, you know, applicable, you know, outside of this, you know, this thing. And to me, I, I took great hope in that because I would say, Hey, that is, that's what we want our churches to be. We want our churches to ultimately point people back to the person of Jesus, not to ourselves, that we're not the, we're a signpost. We're, we're hoping that people um, ultimately see him and will walk out as changed people. What are some ways, what are some examples of that? So this idea of like, Hey, churches that are, that seem to be thriving in this day are, are ones that are focusing on, you know, transformation or focusing on, um, you know, what, you know, what, what are some examples of that that you've seen in, as you've engaged with people?
2: Yeah, um, I, I'll just I'll just use, you know, some churches that I know firsthand. I, I'll give you some practical tips. And, you know, some of your listeners may go, you're getting into behavioral modification a little bit. But I would say, you know, these these are the expectations. Um, uh, you know, you can no longer lead from the green room.
3: Mm. You know,
2: you, you, you will, you will lead from the lobby and the sanctuary. Mm. You know, your staff needs to be in the front row with their Bibles open, taking notes. They need mm. to be leading in that spiritual hunger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pastors, Old Testament and New Testament, biblical teaching, Rich, you said it best. Tell me who God is. We've raised up an entire generation of people who don't know who God is. Mm. So tell me who God is. Tell me what his plan for my life is. I've mm. heard that he loves me, but tell me what that means. And as mm. you said, Rich, so well, what does that mean to me on Monday through Saturday? Mm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And give me real handles
3: mm-hmm.
2: that I can out. because what are people dealing with today? Mm. Um, you know, I've got neighbors, one's got cancer, one's got mm-hmm. a kid that's wanting to transition. One's mm-hmm. struggling with their marriage. Another's got financial challenges. Another, mm-hmm. Another's in the banking industry. So their career's mm-hmm. in flux. <laughs> they need something real that they can hold on to. Right. And so you give, you give people real, oh, by the way, too, um, you know, dis, discipleship, whether you want to call it Sunday school, on campus, small groups, small groups, mm-hmm. community groups, whatever phrase you want to use but great systems that route people in to where they can learn about God's word and what it says about their life. And the Bible has to become primary and not a reference point.
0: Mm, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's the so church, good.
2: Yeah. Churches that are doing that and elevating the scriptures to a point of primacy. Those are the churches that are yielding tremendous fruit currently that I'm seeing.
0: Yeah, it's, I love that. I love that you're pointing that out. Listen, you know, I've made the joke you know, kind of privately for years that I'm like friends, just because it's just because it rhymes doesn't mean it's true. Like there's preaching out there that doesn't have this kind of like, um, is it actually pointing people back to God or is it just like, those are your interesting ideas. Um, we have to come back to part of what, you know, I worked with a guy by the name of worked for a guy by the name of Tim Lucas for years. And one of his coaching on his teaching is, you know, when, when, when he teaches like, listen, I need to get, to what the Bible says, like with, and he was a dog on it. Whenever we had other communicators preaching, it's like, you've got to get to what the Bible says, like in the first two and a half, three minutes, like do not don't where, you know, there's some messages you go to and it's like, you're 20 minutes in and you're like, are we ever going to land on scripture?
2: It's crazy. Well, you you know, Rich, I, I heard a sermon once and I don't know if this individual is to your podcast or not. And if, if he does, I apologize, but you know, his whole thing was Adam and Eve, shame equals blame. Mm. Okay. So that was his whole thing. It was the rhyme. That's what made me yes. think of it.
0: Yes, yes, Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: And so if you just do a bi- just a basic Google Bible search on verses on shame. Yes. <laughs> what you learn is shame is what happens when you sin and let you know that you've missed God's mark and you're separated from mm. God. The mm. issue is what do you do with it right now, Adam and Eve blame, but if you use shame as a as an action point or as an impetus for repentance, shame is not bad if you mm. don't have it by definition, we live in a shameless society
0: oh right, right
3: okay, so, so yeah, we actually
2: yeah. need a little more shame and a little yes. people responding to shame in a way that 's godly. now, blame is the wrong way to handle it i will I will right. give that I will give that pastor credit on that. Uh, but shame, shame, can, shame can be a driver towards repentance and you know, getting back in a right relationship with, with God. So nice. that's just an example now, to support what you're saying.
0: Love it. So now, do, do you cover this in uh, your most recent book, seven, Mighty, Seven Skills You Need to Move from Pandemic to Progress? Is that, is that the kind of stuff you're talking about in, in this book?
2: Well, I, you know, I talk about a number of things in the book. Uh, one of the seven skills is faith. You know, if you Mm. want to move successfully in a post-pandemic world and become Mm -hmm. everything God wanted you to be and everything you were meant to be, uh, faith is the seventh skill, is the seventh Mm. skill. And Mm -hmm. so it's actually the most important too. But uh, I do have a page or two dedicated to what I'm seeing uh, in churches that are experiencing post-pandemic growth.
0: Mm. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, so talk to me about talk to me about this book. Talk, you know, this the thing I love about your uh, your books is they're very grounded. in, I don't know how you observe so much that's going on in the world around you. You have like this giant ability to like see things that are happening and integrate them all together. You see connections between things that I'm always like, man, how does he connect all those dots? It's pretty amazing. But talk to me about that. Talk to me about Mighty. Uh, what led you to read, write the book, and and what are you hoping people get out of it?
2: Yeah. So let me address that. But I want to talk about how I connect things because I think this will help the executive pastors because I want obviously I want them to get the book, but I also want them to have some tools
1: mm-hmm.
2: that make them better. Mm-hmm. So whenever I write or mm-hmm. I uh, collect information or I try to build cases for various things, mm-hmm. Rich, it's always the law of the second question. Mm-hmm. So the average oh, person will go to church and they'll they'll be driving home and they'll go. Well, that was a great service. I had a wonderful time, and then they'll mm-hmm. talk about lunch or the football game or what you know, whatever they're doing that afternoon. Mm-hmm. It's the law of the second question: the ability to stop and then go. Okay, exactly. Why was it a great service? Mm-hmm. Well, that's your right. blog post. That's how you coach your staff. That's mm-hmm. how you build momentum because you can replicate the things that God's blessing and the things you're doing well. But but that's that's the process I go through. It's really not that complicated. It's the law of the second and third question and actually mm-hmm. collecting that data and leveraging it for future growth. Huh. So that being said, yes. one of the things that fleshes out of that future growth is a book. Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I I did a couple of devotions. Mm-hmm. For work, for church, and actually for the local business association. And for the local business association, I left out chapter and verse. But mm-hmm. I really did something on the 31 verses in 2 Samuel 23, David's Mighty Men.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Because in that 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 passage takes place in 1018 to 1014 BC. David's on the mm-hmm. run from Saul. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's, he's in the wilderness and he's Mm -hmm. lost his friends. He's lost Jonathan. He's lost his wife. He's lost Mm -hmm. his position. He's Mm -hmm. lost his income. Sounds a lot like 2020, doesn't it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. He's lost everything. Well, he starts attracting all these people that the Bible refers to as distressed in debt and discontented.
3: Mm.
2: Okay. So out of this collection of misfits he forms this elite fighting force called David's mighty men.
3: Yeah, and That's yeah. how
2: history remembers them. So I began it, when I would give devotions on it and give speeches on it, it was really well received. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, okay, this thing's got legs, you know, it right, might be right. the right message for the right time. Mm-hmm. And so I chronologically go through that particular set of verses. Mm. And, the different skills, one's not more important than the other, except faith, which is number seven, mm-hmm. because there's two sections in there where it said, and the Lord worked a great victory. So mm-hmm. without the Lord, the other six, you know, aren't, aren't going to give you the victory that you want, but mm-hmm. I just chronologically go through that, uh, passage.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: so that's where, that's where the seven skills come from. The seven.
0: So this is production, passion, uh, resilience, teamwork, contentment, courage, and then faith. So these are the seven kind right. of truths that you've pulled out, the seven skills.
2: Yeah. So for instance, I'll just do the first one because you mentioned sure. it first and it's the first yep. thing. Yeah. Uh, the, the chief of David's mighty men was a gentleman named Joseph Bashabeth. Okay. And what we learn about Joseph Bashabeth, <laughs> yeah, I've had to practice a lot on the name. <laughs> um, what we learn about him is he killed 800 men with a spear. Now, Crazy. here's the deal, Rich. I am prone to embellishment. Like I'll go, oh, that's the most awesome thing I've ever eaten. Right. Well, it's a burrito. Okay. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, yeah. It's the most right, right, awesome right. thing I've yeah. ever it's, You know, yeah. it was tasty, but it's not worthy of awe. And it's, you know, right. It, you know, so <laughs> Love it. I'm prone to embellishment. But when the Bible says he killed 800 men with a spear, right. he killed 800 men with a spear. Right. So if you mentally insert yourself into that story and you're walking with him Mm -hmm. and however he comes upon this army, whether they're Mm -hmm. hunting him down, there's probably a bounty on his head or Mm -hmm. whether he's hunting them down or whether they Mm -hmm. just come together. In any event, there's this confrontation between him and 800 men. Mm -hmm. And I just have it in my mind that he says, "Okay, Brian, back up. I need to take care of this. Mm. And I pack up. (laughs) 50, 100 yards, because I'm sure they got bow and arrow, so I'm backed up a pretty good way, and i watch (laughs) him go to work. Sure. And just on him, I noticed three things about him. Mm -hmm. Number one, he's a master of his craft. He Mm -hmm. knows how to work a spear. Yep, yep. And I talk about being a master of your craft. Number two, breathtaking health. Mm. If you ever watch two individuals – Get into a fight. And I'm not talking about professional combat like MMA or boxing or anything mm-hmm. like that, but like your little league game. Okay. Yep. You're yep. going to yep. notice yep. two things. Number one, it's over very, very quickly. And number two, both are exhausted. <laughs> Probably sure. from an adrenaline rush. But, yep. it, you know, he had the health to conquer 800 people. Okay. Right. And right. the third thing you learn about him. Is there could be no wasted movement. This mm. level of efficiency was at an elite level. Mm. So for instance, if you want high production in a post pandemic world so that you can be a person who can accomplish great things for God and your organization and your church, yeah, you're gonna need those three things. You're gonna need to be a master of your craft. You're right. gonna and part of that is you're gonna have to master the fundamentals of your craft. Mm. You're gonna have so to good. have yeah, you got to have great health because if yep. your health goes, it, that'll take you down. You can recover right. from a lot of things, but if your health goes, that'll take you down. And number three, you've got to be highly efficient, uh, edit your life, and eliminate all the non-essentials.
0: Mm, so good. And so
2: I unpack, in that one chapter, I unpack all three of those things that we learned from Joseph Bashabeth. So that's one example and of course, you've mm-hmm. got the other six that you mentioned earlier.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's so good. And you can see even with those, This again, this is friends. This is a part of why I love about Brian's communication style. Like he's so good at just, you know, it's the, the high juice to squeeze ratio. You've got like one thing there and we're squeezing all kinds of um, very applicable lessons out of it for you, uh, you know, to really wrestle with. I think this could be a great you know, an encouraging text for people, encouraging book to pass along, but then you, you go from, um, from the passage and then give some real, some kind of contemporary examples. Yeah. T- talk to me how all that works. How does, how did, do how do how did you, how did you weave those in as well?
2: Well, uh, you know, Rich, you've written a book. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you written more than one or just one? Yep.
0: Two. Yep. Two, two. books. Working okay, on the third. So
2: you're, you're, you're a writer. So I'm going to, mm-hmm. and I think every leader has a book in them. Sure. So if you're thinking about writing a book, I'm going to walk you through briefly kind of the writing process of the book. Okay. Yep. Um, I noticed when I used to read Malcolm Gladwell, at the very beginning of his chapters, there'd be a Bible verse, and then he Mm -hmm. would write about whatever he'd want to write about. Mm -hmm. So in my second book, Timeless, which was 10 things that Apex leaders have always done and will always do. Mm-hmm. I actually expanded on Malcolm's thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is I, I opened up not with a Bible verse, but with a biblical framework for that particular skill.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then because it's timeless things that people have always done will always do. You had the biblical text, but then I brought in modern examples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, So mighty takes that concept Right. And so I will build out whatever those, you know, courage or contentment or teamwork or whatever it may be. I'll build out what the text teaches and then have modern stories of people in a post pandemic world who are living Mm -hmm. that out. Love it. And so that's that's how the book is actually structured. And Mm -hmm. and here's another thing. And and Rich, I want to say this and this this Mm -hmm. is a different point but I do want to invest in your audience a little bit beyond just content of the book. Mm-hmm. This is my yep. fourth book. Okay. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Here's the big lesson I learned in my fourth book. Mm-hmm. My first three books were, were about me. If you want to know the truth about <laughs> it, okay? sure. My, sure. my first book is I just wanted my name on something. I mm-hmm. had this book in me. I just wanted to get it out. I wanted mm-hmm. my name in the Library of Congress. I wanted to plant my flag <laughs> in this earth. Sure. I just wanted my name on something. Now, sure. I love all four books. They're like your children. You love them all. Yep. You know. Yep. My yep. second book, which was Timeless, that was a question I wanted the answer to. Are there mm-hmm. common threads that the best of the best, regardless of industry, regardless of whether you're a church or an athletic team, the best mm-hmm. leaders, are there common threads in them? And the answer is yes. So that mm-hmm. was the answer to a question I had. It was a research project, if you all know the truth yep. about it.
0: Yeah, 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 totally. The third
2: book I wrote, 2021, The Year in Leadership, was a book I always wanted to write. The reason mm. I started writing my website and my blog is mm-hmm. I wanted to write a book. I can't write 50,000, 60,000 words at one time, but I right. can write 500. Yep, yep. And I would just house it on my blog and then kind of scrunch it together and make a book. <laughs> Yes. That was the book I always wanted to write. Yeah. Okay. So, my flag, my question, my book.
3: Mm, mm-hmm.
2: This book is the first book, and it's just me maturing as an author, but mm. this is the first book I ever wrote for other people.
3: Mm. In fact, oh, good. in the
2: title, Seven Skills You Need. Right. To move right. Panel. So, this is the first book I wrote for somebody else. And, Rich, yep. here's the thing, and this is what I want all your readers to know. And hopefully you won't have to wait to your fourth book to learn it like I did. (laughs) Sure. When you make your ministry and your leadership and what you push and present to the world, it's the old old Zig Ziglar phrase. If you give people what they want, you'll get what you want. Mm, Rich, this is the most pre-ordered, pre-sold book I've ever written. That's Uh, a good lesson. Five five days into it, it was the Amazon's number one best-selling new release for Christian leadership. Love it. Uh, it hit Kindle three days ago, and last night, its second day, it was number two.
3: Yeah, now, so good. Now, all
2: the glory goes to God, and number two, it's a lesson I wish I learned a long time ago. If I would have made my writing and my leadership about other people sooner mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. serving people sooner— Yes. Uh, you know, it, it looked different than it does today, but that's the logic behind the book. That's the structure of the book. And I think you've got XPs on here today Mm -hmm. that they're, they're, they're having to make a decision. Is this going to serve me or serve my church? And if it serves my church, it might hurt me a little bit. I would encourage them to always serve other people and serve their church. It will work out for them exponentially better in the long run.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love, uh, in fact, in our house, we have, as you leave kind of the door that we mostly walk out of, and we've had this since our kids were little, uh, we have these um, these, these words It just says help others, um, you know, that we've tried to do with our kids all the way along say, so, hey, you know, there's a more rich and full life uh, if we orient around the needs of other people and figure out how we serve them and get around thinking about that. And what a vivid example um, even from this most recent you know, book that you're working on. I also love that idea of the framework. I found the same thing in the, so two books that have been released, third that I'm working on, that's um, done actually. I'm just in that kind of like final grooming of it. Um, it's that actually coming up with the, the framework, the, the substructure of how it all fits together uh, is a big part of it. And getting that all kind of sorted out um, then from there, you know it it, it does tend to flow because you're just following the the structure that you've put together, the kind of the path that you've laid out. So um, love that. That's that's en- encouraging to hear. Uh, I'm you know love hearing about this book as it's been out there. Has there been any part of it? Because the thing I found interesting about the things you you write is you write them and then people read them. And they react differently or like hear things that maybe you weren't really thinking of or kind of spurs interesting conversations. Has there been any of it? I know it's just early, but has there been anything that's, that's happened so far that's kind of caught your attention as it's been out in the real world?
2: Well, here's what's, here's what's been interesting. Um, and then all seven skills, I don't think there's one chapter better than the other chapter, but people gravitate to what speaks to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm wired for production. You know, I like mm-hmm. getting things to done. I like checking things off a list. I'm wired for production. I love the production chapter.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I was talking with a friend yesterday. He loved the passion chapter. Mm-hmm. Okay, He mm-hmm. loved Eleazar, and they had to pry the sword from his hand.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we spent a
2: lot of time talking about the subject of passion and what that mm-hmm. whole battle scene must have been like, you know, and mm. photo op people versus passion people. And mm-hmm. so really, the the interesting thing for me, and um, in my other books, there have been specific points that really jumped out to people. But what mm-hmm. I've learned about this point is whatever a person's gifting is, whatever their interest is, however they're wired, that chapter speaks to them more than the other 6 mm. So the love good it. news about that is, is it's a book that no matter who you are as a leader, uh, here's what I know: one seventh of it you're going to love, you know, <laughs> which is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so love I, it. you know, look, if we just get average on the other six, we're ahead of the game. But I, know yeah, least, that's funny. I know at least yeah, but- one seventh of the book. You're going to read that. You're going to see yourself in it. And here's another thing, Rich, that I've had another person tell me. Anyone can be mighty.
0: Sure. Oh, love that. And,
2: you know, they just need permission to be mighty and they need some skills. And so this book, this book is giving people confidence to go and I don't have to live in 2020 anymore. I want to leave 2020. I've started leaving 2020, but now I can leave 2020 in the most productive, successful, God honoring way possible.
0: Mm. So good. Well, this is fantastic. I know for me, uh, you know, I'm struck by this. I think this could be a great gift book to give to someone. I do think this would be a great, maybe even a framework for a series, that kind of thing. I think it could be an amazing uh, tool for church leaders. And so I'm assuming we could pick it up, or I know we could pick it up at Amazon. Is there anywhere else we want to send people? maybe to your website or are there are other places you want to send them to pick yeah, up copies. You,
2: you, you can get my website. Let me tell you who I wrote. You know, I said, I wrote the book for other people. You, let me tell you who I really wrote the book for.
0: Okay. Sure. The,
2: I, if the business community reads it mm-hmm. and loves it. Great. Mm-hmm. The athletic community, if they read it and love it, great. And I hope they do. Okay. This book is written for pastors and church leaders, and at the end mm-hmm. of each chapter, I have a set of study questions, mm-hmm. and here's why I did that. Uh, it is a great discipleship tool. Right. I am praying, and my hope is that pastors will do it as a sermon series, and mm-hmm. they'll have an accompanying small group uh, lesson going right along with them. And they'll read that chapter, and then they'll do those five study questions at the end of each chapter. And it does build to faith at the very end. Wow. Um, and so what I'm really, really hoping is that, you know, because at churches, I, you know, I love the phrase, we want to develop a leadership culture. Well, mm-hmm. absolutely. Question is, mm-hmm. how do you do that?
0: Yeah, what's and that like? like? Yeah.
2: There's not many books out there, you know, like, okay, we can take a, a book and you can Pick the name of any book, but let's read a chapter. What'd you read? What'd you learn? How are you going to apply mm-hmm. it? The old Dan Rylan mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And really, what you're doing is you're repurposing a book to make it a discipleship tool in your church. Right. This book is written for fun and enjoyment and learning and application, but it's also written that no, if you want to disciple your leaders or you mm-hmm. want to start a leader group or a business leader group or a sermon series, this book is written that you can do that over a seven-week process. And uh, obviously, buying the book, to answer your question, buying the books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. But if you go to Zulon Press, who mm-hmm. I used for myself publishing, mm-hmm. I would get the bulk orders through Zulon Press if you want to okay. do 10 or more. Love it. And Good. Zulon is X-U-L-O-N Press.com. Press.com. Okay, great.
0: Perfect. Well, this is this has been fantastic. Anything else you'd like to say just as we wrap up today's episode?
2: You know, Rich, uh, you and I have known each other a long time. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I just want to thank you that you have given your life to serving pastors and church leaders. Oh, thanks, and man. you've been faithful in that. You've been consistent in that. And you've done it with unbelievable excellence. You've been a great friend for over a decade.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: uh, I just want to thank you. I mean, to be honest, you are now such a constant in the church leadership world, you can be taken for granted. And trust <laughs> me, there's guys like me that we don't take you for granted. So thank you for I everything you're doing.
0: Well, I was, you know, it's I appreciate that. That's super kind of you to say. That means a lot coming from you, uh, Brian, for sure. You know, I was I was joking with our mutual friend Kerry Newhoff. We were talking about this how. Um, you know, it's amazing. People come and go in this space all the time, but there's like, some of us have just been around. We just won't let go. It's like, we just won't, you know, if anything, we got staying power. So, you know, I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Uh, we want to send people to Brian Dodd on leadership.com. Is there anywhere else we want to send them to get connected with you uh, to follow along uh, with you and your story?
2: Oh, sure. On Twitter is at Brian K Dodd and Brian's with an I and Brian dot on leadership on Instagram. So yeah, love any it. of those, uh, we got links to them all on my website. So you can go to the website and then springboard off of that. But yeah, love if you know, love to interact with your audience, love to serve them in any way I possibly can. And uh, yeah, just be an absolute honor to play a very very small role in helping equip them to become everything God created them to be.
0: Thanks so much. Appreciate that, Brian. Take care, brother.
2: You too. Thanks for
1: tuning in to the Unseminary podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.